Let's get this thing going before before a tornado hits or something. <laughs> All right, ready? I am rec- I'm recording. <clears throat> this podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. There was always a strong sense of categorization. I think not just with me. I mean, you know, you, you must know people. You know, this guy's good at sports. This guy's, and this guy is weird. You know, <laughs> this guy we don't know about. You know, I think the problem is, is when you don't fit into a category early on. You know, that's when you get that thing in a way. And and there's this very strong sense of categorization that seems to go on in life. And 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 it's not something that I ever thought or anybody ever thinks. It's just you're kind of forced into that I was put in that box which on one hand was negative on the other hand really affords you the ability to act however you want there's a bit of freedom I think that that's why I've you got no it. reputation to blow well exactly if when people consider you to be a certain thing it, it, it's sad in a way because it's like they're not seeing you for who you are thank you guys for joining us finally on this Tim Burton episode. Can I say it out loud? Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. It is official. We are talking about Tim Burton with some very special friends. Sithcare Josh. How's it going, Josh? Sithcare. Sith. I can't read today. Sithcare Bear. Josh. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope everything is good say with you, the whole Josh. Thing. You sure do. But uh, hoping everything is good with you, my friend. Thank you very much Let's for making Thank the you. making the time tonight to uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, escapism and uh, nerd stuff. Always. And um, Nicole, how's it going over there? I love your little Christmas sweater, your Star Wars Christmas sweater. <laughs> Very nice. The Death Star atop a Christmas tree. Very festive. I love the colors. Your lighting is perfect. I just, you know, always a delight. Always a delight. But what happens when the Death Star explodes? There goes the tree. There must be light. There must be, yes, yes. And uh, Miss Shinobi Burton, good to uh, see you always, my friend. How are you? Is it? It's good to see you, Ro. Well, let's get going before, uh, before you know, Shanti starts insulting me. I've been good today. You have been. You have been. I've been good. Did it, does Which, it freak you out? It freaks me out. I was going to say it's, it's a little odd. A little odd. When I see... When I see the that's the way she shows you love. Yeah. That's true. Very true. Spend Very one true. night with my family. Watch how we rip it? each other apart. It's great. <laughs> Very nice. So let's get this started. Um, there are not many directors whose mere mention of their name evokes a visual style that is very unique to them. And we've got some great directors uh, throughout our geek, you know, uh, fandom. Each has uh, contributed uh, to all of our favorites. We've got uh, Lucas, Spielberg, De Palma, Scorsese, Ridley Scott, Robert Zemeckis. Uh, Paul Verhoeven, Edwards, Emmerich, the list goes on. Did I mention, did I uh, miss anybody? 
Any uh, of your favorite? What, what about that French guy that just did Dune? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. So, you know, a director wears many hats, but uh, the talent of one single director relies on the crew that he commands to some degree, but the vision belongs to him or her. Someone once said directing a movie is like running a small dictatorship. And uh, having been on movie sets, uh, I can say that that is very true. But uh, speaking of uh, running a small dictatorship tonight, we are joined by our own cast of dictators, friends and special guests to talk about one of Geekdom's favorite directors. Um, I can mention Beetlejuice, but only once. Uh, Edward Scissorhands, not to be confused by Solo's Therm Scissor Punch. And um, yeah, look him up. Uh, and Corpse Bride, but a very unique visionary director that we have been trying to discuss on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast for how long now? Weeks. Months. months. Holy crap. Too Bola. Too long. Too long. <laughs> but uh, but it's fantastic finally getting back uh, to uh, recording this episode. We tried a couple times, but uh, here we are. Let's begin. So let me ask you guys this, you know, we uh, I'd like to in the future talk about other visionary directors, but we're starting with Tim Burton, which I think is a really great thing. He's very, um, you know, I said it in the intro, very visionary, but I want to ask you guys, what makes Tim Burton so visionary? Um, What is his, you know, I, I mentioned that there's a certain style that he is very well known for, but um what is your guys takes i'll start with josh what do you uh what do you think it's, it's his amazing use of black and white stripes no one does it <laughs> that yeah that's pretty yeah. much it right yeah absolutely no it's just i don't know he's got a very macabre sort of dark appeal um it, it really fits with his work um and and it's a lot of people are drawn to it for sure yeah, for one reason or another. Yeah, I mean, you joke around about the stripes, but that is definitely one of the things he likes to play with mm-hmm. um, with patterns. He likes to, uh, his color palette is very, uh, very stylistic. Um, even, I don't know, even some of the black and white stuff, the stop motion stuff that he has done. But, you know, the, you know, movies like Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. I mean, there's a certain, not only just the color, but the characterizations uh, and some of the actors that he calls back. Um, ladies, what about you guys? Um, so I was going to say is I love his use, of course. Again, like Josh said, the darkness, like it's very gothic, but yet sometimes it can be very romantic. He, he can use it. Oh, okay. That it invokes that feeling, right? In the corpse bride or... You know, in Edward Scissor's hand, there is that feeling that you get, and it's it can be enchanting and wonderful. And I sometimes wonder if he got some of that from when he. I'm pretty sure he also worked at Disney at one point. Right. And um, and I think that that's where I wonder if that's where he got some of that I, that magic from because it's just it is it can be very magical yet romantic yet dark all at the same time. And I love how he can create that combination that only he can create. Yeah, no, it is interesting because he he's not afraid to use the macabre in 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 a not in an I I guess in a in a very unique way. You know, the macabre with you said you mentioned romantic, um, mm. but it is uh, oh man, it's it's avant garde. That's what I wanted to say. There you yeah. go. It's avant garde. Yeah. 
out there. That's why it works. That's very unique, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I, I'm sure he learned a lot working with Disney, but I, I, I'm, I don't think he ever could have been who, who he became had he, you know, stuck around there. Yeah. Yeah. His vision is so distinct and and very Mm -hmm. different from what you would see in their work. Yeah. He's. You know what? You know a Tim Burton movie when you see it. Absolutely. And you can't say that a lot uh, of you can't say that of a lot of directors. You know, I mentioned a, a few giants at the beginning there, but uh, you know, Tim Burton is definitely one of those filmmakers that once you see, you know, less than like ten seconds of a movie, you're like, oh, that kind of looks like a Tim Burton style for whatever reason. Like you mentioned, Josh, the black and white or the the, the weird characters, the you know, scissors on hands, whatever it it, it is. Um, there is a certain juxtaposition of, of emotional, uh, extremes to, to his visual, you know, filmmaking. And I think, you know, Tim Burton, I think has mastered that where a lot of other directors, you know, dabble in it. Um, but, uh, Tim Burton really knows how to use that palette. Mm-hmm. It's also surprisingly funny. Yeah. Oh, he's got it's a like your sense of humor, but very I, always dark find, humor. I always find myself giggling at something in his movies. And then, of course, Beetlejuice to me is a straight comedy. But mm-hmm. all of his movies, I always find myself laughing at, at something. You know, on the surface there, you know, you look at something like Corpse Bride and, and Edward Scissorhands. And it's very, you know, that first image is like, oh, it's jarring. But then when you get into it, you know, again, through the characterization of of his directorial style, the actors that he picks, you know, you fall in love with all his characters and they're no longer scary. And I think that I think that says a lot of of his storytelling, of his directing and of his movies. And I think it says a lot, too, about us in trying to instill a certain aspect of of life lessons you know, um, not everything is as scary as it looks on the surface. You get to know the inside and really, you know, relate to something of that aspect. And I think it's really cool. I know it's a little early for Christmas, Edward, but uh, I have a present for you. Oh, his style definitely enhances the storytelling. Absolutely. Yeah, he um, getting back. Somebody had mentioned uh, his earlier films. Uh, let's see. He studied animation at the California Institute of Art. Uh, there was a movie he did, uh, Stock of the Celery Monster and King and Octopus. Again, I'd love to see big budget versions of that. Um, and you're right. That led to his employment at uh, the Walt Disney Company Animation Division. Um <clears throat> Some of his other early works, Frankenweenie, uh, which kind of led to, I think, was it was Pee Wee Herman his first um, live action movie right out of Disney? I think uh, Frankenweenie uh, led to that. So, um, you know, and again, he he uh, he continues to team up with uh, with creatives that uh, that he's worked with before. Obviously, we mentioned uh, Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter later uh, after that. Um, but you know, the the music of of Danny Elfman is also kind of very much tied to Tim Burton movies. Do you guys uh, do you guys agree? Oh, yeah. yeah, most they complement each other so 
well. And mm -hmm. again, that's another thing. I, I know Danny Elfman's score when I hear it. And yeah, it's, it's just so synonymous with his movies. And I actually can't stand it. Maybe the couple of times where they actually, where he actually didn't compose the movie, you can just tell. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't have the Tim Burton feel for some reason. His his scores oh, are are mm -hmm. excellent. I mean, they're 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 playful but dark, mm -hmm. and and um, it, it really fits with the style uh, of Burton's imagery, and, and again like enhances said, the work. And just like Nicole said, some of them are very romantic. I find mm. the soundtrack for Edward Scissorhands to be so yeah, romantic, beautiful. so yeah. beautiful. It's, I mean, it's like listening to a ballet. And then mm -hmm. some of it is just really wacky. And like you said, it really enhances the movie. I mean, try watching Beetlejuice without that soundtrack. It just works. Yeah. I mean, the, the <laughs> themes of his storytelling in general are, are romantic. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. in Absolutely. most of the stories, the main focus is some sort of a love story. <laughs> yeah. And as far as Danny Elfman, um, is he, am I mistaken, is he in um, a band called Oingo Boingo? Is that him? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yes. Oh, yeah. And it, you know, like even before that, I mean, uh, Dead Man's Party, the cover art very much reminds me, too, of, of a, a Tim Burton project. So it's kind of funny that they, they made this synergy that kind of has lasted throughout many films. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's obviously, there's a lot of commonalities between the two artists, um and you're right they they, they complement each other i think it's great yeah, absolutely so uh his uh, looking at my notes here beetlejuice uh looks like it was his first big picture um of a budget of about 15 million dollars which uh was a uh, rousing success and obviously beetlejuice now is kind of a cult classic um, I joked around about saying Beetlejuice only once, um, but uh, hey, it's got your favorite actor in it, Shinobi. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? You think I'm qualified? We have an incoming transmission from the Scarab Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude! Hey, Ro and Chantel. Uh, you asked uh, what our favorite Tim Burton movie is, and um, for me, it's got to be uh, 89 Batman. Um, that movie is, to me, the closest... Uh, Batman has gotten in live action and what really sells it for me is not only the atmosphere but Batman villains while yes scary and dark are very wacky and over the top and Jack Nicholson's depiction of the Joker where he's scary because he's about the joke because you can tell he's just completely insane that he's going around and and doing all these gags and that to me makes him truly uh frightening and the movie just the batmobile and the atmosphere of that just to me really captures 
Gotham. So to, for me, that is my all-time favorite Tim Burton movie. All right. Hope you guys have a great podcast. Hey, Rose. This is Brandy from A Star Wars Journey with Ashley and Brandy. And I want to tell you that my favorite Tim Burton movie is The Nightmare Before Christmas. I love Halloween, and it came out in 1993. I was 13. I'm aging myself. And I was really like this moody, dark, emo-type kid, and it really resonated with me on like a spiritual level. Like it was okay to be weird. It was okay to be out there. It was okay to be quirky. And like some darker stuff that other people might kind of turn their nose up at. So it, it's just a really fun movie. It's an excellently done movie. And, uh, I, and I love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. So that is why I love The Nightmare Before Christmas. You guys have a great show and we love you. Bye. Halloween, 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 Halloween. Hey, Scuttle Buddies, this is DJ from Rogue One Radio. Just wanted to give a little bit of input on Tim Burton. Man, what a director. Uh, one of my all-time favorites. Just a little left of center and just takes things where people are a little uncomfortable. We don't get that a lot. Most uh, directors seem to come from a feel-good place. And uh, he explores things that uh, everyone wants to or just afraid to. Saying that, I guess my favorite movie of his is still the 1989 Batman with Michael Keaton as Batman. Just wonderfully done, uh, really dark, and the way, to me, that Batman should be. So looking forward to uh, hearing everyone else's thoughts on this. Remember, it's always sunny on Scarif, and enjoy Star Wars responsibly. And that's the scuttlebutt. Hello to all you scuttlebutts. Ro, first question. What happened to Brad? Here today, gone tomorrow, just like my childhood pig before Nochawena. Disclaimer. No pigs were actually harmed during this voicemail. Also, who names their child Shanti? That's a beat-up wooden shack. Who are her parents, man? And Ro, come on, dude. Does anyone have a real name on your podcast? Seriously. All kidding aside, I want to sincerely thank Brad for his service to our country. I love your co-host, Shanti, because I'm her mom. And Ro, I love you too, because you've taken my kid under your wing and have let her flourish like never before. And last but not least, your listeners, keep following your passions, no matter what they are. Happy holidays to everyone, and in 2022, let's all try to be as hilarious as Roe is. I was exposed to Tim Burton. I have such early memories, and I know I mentioned this on another podcast, but I'm pretty sure I learned about death through Beetlejuice and the right. afterlife. It was a was, great teaching tool. Yeah. Was that the yeah, movie that uh, that you were hiding in, uh, under the desk no, at school? That was, was That was Batman, right? Was right. It's still Burton, though. Right. Still Tim Burton, yeah. yeah. 
but again, but you know, even it, the imagery is it is. Oh, sorry, Ro, I just the, the imagery is frightening at times. And I think that's part of the appeal of it, especially when you're younger, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. And kids, kids like a little bit of a fright factor. <laughs> I did. It is true. No. I, yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't into it yet. <laughs> when did you get when were you OK with with stuff like that? Probably around 10, 9 or 10. Yeah. What yeah, were Beatles when I was younger? I mean, it was like scary, but not scary. That's my, like, I don't remember being scared by Beetlejuice. Yeah, same. At yeah. All, or Edward Scissorhands, because I watched that at a very young age as well. Sure, yeah. Well, I'm sure Jack Nicholson scared a lot of women. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your favorite actor, Michael Keaton. Uh, the next movie up here is uh, Batman, obviously. And, uh, you know, it, it was critically acclaimed at one uh, some awards, uh, obviously best art direction, uh, 1989. Um, and that was kind of a breakout, uh, film, especially in the genre. Um, but it's interesting that, um, that Tim Burton took that role or took that role as director for that film. Um, it's, it's not a director that I would have, uh, pictured to take on a, a superhero movie like that. But again, you know, which testifies to his talent. I mean, he definitely, he made it his own. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about Batman um, and uh, Keaton Nicholson uh, and the rest of the crew. What'd you guys think of that movie? It's excellent. <laughs> I, it, I mean, it kind of is Great. sort of set the standard for what the modern film image of Batman is really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything since has been very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I- it's like when you now when I you have when you compare the different Batmans, it's like no, Burn has his own style, he had his own take, and you can actually see it and it identifies with him. And I love re. I mean, I can rewatch Batman and Batman Returns. I probably did my poor my poor parents. You know how many times <laughs> I watched it because I loved it so much. You know. Uh, between the music and the visuals and and the story and it was like batman is so awesome and of course this is before my love of uh future marvel uh so but that it really does it's like how can you compare it's hard to compare his with the other because this is just it's his own style and it you know it's his that's the thing it's his like you're not gonna like go oh who made that one no you know it's tim burton easily identifiable Right. Absolutely. They have the opposite. My parents, they'll watch those first two all yeah. the time. <laughs> we use it for <laughs> codes and we quote it constantly. Uh, no, we absolutely love those first two movies. Oh, I mean, I have a my, picture. I have a picture of me oh. as a four-year-old with a little t-shirt on with the original. Oh, my parents. My, yeah, my parents are all about it. Yeah, I, my parents liked it, lo- lo- love it too, but I just think I probably watched it so much. Like we go to the video store and I would pick out Batman again you know what i mean like i know i know believe me my poor mom was like can we not pick out another vhs you know what i mean that's one of those that they never cared be kind rewind (laughs) as they said back in the day yeah so um what else i mean what else about batman makes it so uh so memorable you know i remember when they announced uh the uh uh, the fact that Michael Keaton was taking the role as Batman. I mean, you know, up and yeah, uproar up until that time, he was known as a comedic actor. 
Um, and, you know, I, I think, uh, what's his name? Paul Rudd had the same situation happen with uh, Ant-Man. Um, no, same same kind of thing. Like, wait a minute, I can't picture him as Ant-Man. Right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, Michael Keaton uh, demonstrating how great of an actor he is, um, you know, took that role, made it his own. You forget that, that he's Michael Keaton, the comedic actor behind the cowl behind the mask there. Uh, but I, I totally and thoroughly enjoyed him as Batman and um, kudos to him for, 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 for doing that. That's uh, fantastic. Yeah, I think awesome. most people think he's kind of the definitive, you know, version, honestly, uh, a lot like of people it. love him Yeah, and are super excited that he's coming back. So Me too. Well, and I make mention of my favorite personal Catwoman because Michelle Pfeiffer has for me been the infinite like Catwoman like she is amazing next to you Shanti of course because you're fabulous <laughs> right girl you can um but I do I love it and I love how I'm love with her. that storytelling for me though remember I, I mean I grew up with it so I mean maybe some adults might have thought it might be more childish but I liked it. I liked the story. I love Batman Returns. And so there was no, let me, uh, just so we're get straight on the timeline here. So it was uh, the, the first Batman and then was Batman Returns the sequel? Yes. Or was there a movie in between? No, it was Batman 89. Batman Returns was 92. Okay. So he came, he came back right away for the sequel. Yeah. And I remember, you know, people were saying it was like really dark. It was uh, really dark. Really oh, dark. Or really sexualized. Ah. Which a lot of people didn't like. Do they not realize like. I The problem was is that when Batman Returns came out, McDonald's was pushing the toys for the kids. And because of right. the sexual nature of Batman Returns, the parents had a really big issue with that. So that's why Sh mm. Schumacher went the way that he went because they mm. wanted to market it more towards kids. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, both of those films had a huge influence on the art design for Batman the Animated Series. I know. For kids. I, I right. know. Yeah. I know. A lot of logic yeah. there. I'm with you. Believe me. Oh, my God. I, now I just, all I can think of is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. <laughs> oh, oh, that film was a tragic travesty. It was <laughs> awful. Take, take a chill pill. Stop it. Cool, chill cool. Out. Chill out. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. This is terrible. Always winterize your pipes. And just all the bright colors, and I, I did not like either of Schumacher's I'm films. Sorry. Rest Check in out. Peace, yeah. What did you do? What did you do? Check out my latex nipples. Like, there it is. I was waiting for it. <laughs> That's, that's, that's what he was going to Always say. comes back to the nipples. Yes, it, it does. It sure does. Winter has come at last. They say that Batman Returns is Tim Burton's favorite uh, and Michael Keaton. And, uh, of course, it was uh, the wonderful introduction, as Nicole said, to uh, Catwoman. Meow. Whoopsh. Like what, what, you know, Adam West and Eartha Kitt. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah, but these are, these are wonderful, wonderful new iterations of the character. And, you know, again, just, I, I just, I, I couldn't picture Michelle Pfeiffer doing that as well. But, 
you know, there's some behind the scenes footage of of her with the whip in the first, you know, the first time that they did that scene uh, in the with the mannequins. And mm-hmm. she she hit it on the nose on the first try and everybody went nuts. So that really, really great. That's when they knew this was going to be good. <laughs> Yeah. They also gave us an iconic costume. I mean, that costume. Absolutely. I mean, you, you see it at cons all the time. Mm-hmm. You see it in Shanti's closet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't wear like it for this. Are you crazy? Yeah, I like the penguin. Yeah, yes. yeah. How hot that costume is. You know, she had to be like vacuum sealed into that costume, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Back. But yeah, but but getting back to the uh, the casting, yeah, you're right. Danny DeVito was a great uh, a great part for him, uh, the Penguin. Um, very transformative. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So I wanted to skip ahead uh, because there is another. I mean, talk about you know just romantic and and, and thought provoking and emotional. You know, it, it, did you guys see Big Fish? In telling the story of my father's life, it's impossible to separate fact from the fiction, the man from the myth. The best I can do is to tell it the way he told me. From the imagination of director Tim Burton. Most men, they'll tell you stories straight through. It won't be complicated, but it won't be interesting either. Big Fish is really, really good, and it's... it. Um, it's kind of a, a a step off the beaten path for him um, in, in, in some respects. There's still the the uh, the very interesting and weird characters in that movie. Um, obviously, the emotion is heavy. Um, you know, Tim Burton lost his father before starting this movie, and it deals with uh, Ewan McGregor's character coming to terms with, with his estranged father. Um, so it seems like, you know, from a directorial standpoint, it really spoke to him telling the story of, of this character um, on a deeper level. Um, it's a movie that was adapted from a novel by author Daniel Wallace. Uh, but, uh, Josh, I want to I want to uh, chat with you real fast since the ladies have not seen it. And it's, it should be on your list because it's really, really good. I didn't care for it. Um, and I didn't. Oh, OK. Like in, I didn't like the fact that in the end. You don't. Be, I didn't feel like there was any sort of real reconciliation because you don't know what's truth and what is lies. And I mean, what are you supposed to be happy with the idea of just, oh well, I'll just decide what I want to be truth and what I want to be lies. You know, I shouldn't be that way. Um, oh, and I so guess, I and I guess the ladies don't no want spoilers. The ladies don't want spoilers, so. Uh... Yeah, did you Sorry. just ruin the ending? No, no, no. No, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. I was let down. I mean, plus, it, I felt it was one time where the oddity of Burton's vision didn't work for the storytelling. Huh. I okay. felt like it, it made things, it made the visual such a spectacle that it detracted from the emotion of a lot of the moments for me. And I wonder if it's because it was an adapted story from a novel that had already existed and he tried to inject himself into it. A little it. too much of himself, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so that that might be the case obviously with something that you know that he kind of takes on you know from the get-go it might be a little different but uh you know i really enjoyed the story and i think um you know having having lost my father in 08 um you know i had a similar uh reaction to tron um and then coco as well uh all kind of happened around the same time so i think like you know father son stories kind of really get me or used to get me at that at that particular time uh during the 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 loss of you know what was i was dealing with uh in family no i completely um, understand yeah. what was that I'm not emotionally ready oh yeah no you have you really have to get emotionally ready for coco that's a rough one right there yeah my god is it worse than up is it worse than those first 10 minutes of up i don't know that's it's hard yeah. to top the first, first 10 minutes, 10 of, minutes up. Yeah. of up like, um, <laughs> that's a little much that's another reason you know, why i also kind of don't want to watch big fish because i do know kind of like it is about that yeah. and then of course kind of having my own kind of weird strained relationship with my yeah. dad i just don't know I want to watch something like that. Yeah, I, I mean it's when, it's I powerful. Certain things hit too close. To sure. Home, sometimes I like it. And you know that story reminds me. You know, getting back to our our uh, Star Trek stuff, it reminds me of when William Shatner he was uh, shooting an episode called "The Devil in the Dark," and I you probably not you're not there yet. It's uh, it's about the rock life form in a cave, and they were trying to figure out like, okay, so Devil in the Dark. Uh, silicon-based life form. Um, during the filming of that of that episode, Shatner got a call that his father had passed away. Um, but he he continued to do to he decided to continue working on the episode. So the entire episode he was that was on his mind. And there was a there was a very emotional scene, you know, at the end of that episode. And I think you know he was calling on the emotionality of of losing his father and not being able to do anything because. Again, he decided to stay and, and work. Um, so I think I, you know, I, I watch, I know of that episode in Star Trek and I watch Big Fish and I, I see um, all the stuff that, that is happening with, with the director um, because of that. And I think that's that's another reason why um, I feel it's kind of a very personal story for, for Tim Burton at that point. Um, so especially, I'll, watch it, I'll watch it just to disagree with Josh. That's funny. I mean, I, sure. I, I appreciate the message. Yeah. I mean, my, my father passed uh, in 03 and, and we were estranged and there's much about his life that I'll never know. And I, I can very much relate, but it just, um, I, the, the, the film itself just didn't appeal to me. Yeah. And it would be interesting to see if, uh, if he had maybe tailored the story a little bit more so it wouldn't be as, um as loyal to the book um although they you know it, it it is kind of a quirky story if you remember some of the characters um but um yeah uh interesting interesting and i guess with anything there are some hits and misses uh tim burton is no exception you know there's some are there any movies any tim burton movies obviously besides big fish that uh that you guys uh didn't uh, really like or uh corpse bride i did not like okay i didn't care for corpse bride either and i just looked i just looked it up and i he he co-directed that with somebody else so maybe again that might be a thing where other influences are going in probably the same person who did Coraline and nightmare for christmas henry oh yeah well no he did he did nightmare before christmas with um before christmas 
no, with so Burton. Yeah, he but did. I, don't, I, I think Burton did Corpse Bride on his own. Did he? No, it says with uh, with Mike Johnson. Mike I Johnson. Didn't like Corpse Bride. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then I don't, I'm not familiar. Didn't like Alice in Wonderland. Didn't bother with the sequel. sequel. Right. Didn't even touch Dumbo. I haven't really watched any of Tim Dumbo Burton's movies. After Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Sweeney, Sweeney Todd was the last Tim Burton movie that I enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. yeah Sweeney Todd was good. You liked which one? Alice in Wonderland. But okay. I'm a big, big Lewis Carroll fan. So it sure. wasn't about that. It was the CGI. I couldn't take the CGI. The big hat. I, I enjoyed Alice in Wonderland. No, um, I and then I thought the sequel was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um,. <laughs> Did anybody see Big Eyes? Uh-uh. I did not I see that. Not, I just saw that you can look it up on Prime or on your Fire, and I think it's on IMDb for free. Oh, yeah. So I'll be checking it out. This looks interesting. Yeah. And uh, a book that really fascinated me that uh, that he made the film version of is uh, Miss Peregrine. Uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for extraordinary children or remarkable children. I found that book just amazing. I was flipping through it and you know, the book is about a home for special kids with special abilities Mm -hmm. and it may or may not be a metaphor for something, but these kids, you know, the, the book actually had pictures um, of kids that uh, it's, it's really hard to explain. Um, I'll have to I'll have to post a couple of uh, images to to show you guys, but you know there's some kids that are like floating, mm-hmm. um, and these pictures look like they're they were taken in like 1910, so that's what makes them eerie. How how did you? Eh, it's my peculiarity. If I show you the rest, you have to promise not to run away. The film again, it, it was it was okay. Uh, obviously, I enjoyed the book better, but it, it was another one of those uh, movies that um, I, I did not like uh, of Tim Burton's. Um, it was just a little, a little too, I don't know, watered down uh, based on the book. But uh, the book was fantastic. I think I read the, that's like the one series of books that I did read, like all three books and uh, really great. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I just, I just got so into them that uh, I just kept on going. I am. You know, audio books don't count as reading. (laughs) So, you know. Not a thing. But I, yeah, I'm definitely. I'll definitely post some pictures to show you guys because uh, the the pictures are really eerie. And I think uh, Shanti, because of your background in the macabre, I think you'll uh, really enjoy them. What does that mean? That you're weird. It's time for you to learn what you can do. I'm just ordinary. No, you're not. You were born to protect us. Promise me one thing. Look after them, Jake. I promise. I feel like Tim Burton lost his touch the moment CGI came came into play. I don't oh, know. that's interesting. I haven't liked any of his movies where CGI was involved. Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are Everything what are some of the other ones? He, yeah, like the Dumbo stuff and yeah, Dark Shadows. Just a lot of I don't know. What do you guys think about Sleepy Hollow? I like Sleepy Hollow. I like Hollow. Sleepy Hollow too. Yeah. Yeah. Very creepy. Right, but see, that's what makes it so wonderful it's like that wonderful combination because it's it's gothic it's creepy mm-hmm. tim burton had that and he kind of 
how does that sleep hollow somehow become a little bit more more romantic and he just is able to create that for us and that feeling and it's just and then you have to watch it I don't know how he does it i mean halloween oh lord i think i've been talking about so much like christmas these days or what's christmas what's halloween like nightmare before christmas mm -hmm. i i'm lost now in my seasons <laughs> But that's another um, that's another story that's not entirely his. But that one, for some reason, you know, hit uh, hit well, mm -hmm. and was very popular. Um, but again, you know, the story of Sleepy Hollow. I I, I think uh, you know it's not as unknown as some of the other stories. But um, but I like his spin on it. His own. Yeah. Me too. Sure. But yeah. without like, fully taking away either, because it's like he, he at least still got. Time period a little bit right, and that so sure. I like yeah. one of his more unpopular movies. Which <laughs> which kind one? Kind of embarrassing to say. Uh oh. Uh oh. Because I love I love the original so much, but I don't mind his version of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> and he got ripped. ripped he did. I totally forgot and he did I saw that it in one. The theater and I liked it. I don't know. Whatever. I get it. Yeah. It's not going to be the original. You can't compare it to the original movie. Right. I don't know why anybody does that, but I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining. Other than Marky Mark, I, um, did. I my, just didn't like Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. My 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 biggest issue with it was that they changed the very end of it and like the big twist moment, and yeah. I, I was a little disappointed with that. But I did love the makeup, and and I mean, I didn't think it was poorly directed by any means, and none of the performances were awful. Even Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> but yeah, that is definitely one of those uh, movies that, that really got panned after the fact. Uh, and I, I think one of the reasons was is because the original was so fantastic and so great yeah. and so iconic. Mm -hmm. It's like, why are you doing this? Right. Um, but, I did enjoy uh, the recent remakes, though. I thought they were actually pretty decent. Yeah, I, I think I... I have to go over and revisit some of those because I think I, I didn't watch them like consecutively. I just kind of like I'm like, OK, here's an ape movie. Here's an ape movie. I just I don't remember like the, the hierarchy of, of the stories. Yeah. I didn't yeah. watch all of them, so I might have to go back and give them a second chance. Are there any uh, nerd IPs that you'd think that you'd want to see Tim Burton uh, direct? Now, here's here's the thing. Um, I'm going to read some. Twitter comments when I had asked uh, people to contribute to uh, to our show tonight, but somebody had, um, and this is always happening. People are saying, you know, they should direct this or he should direct that, you know. Uh, but I hear it a lot. Let Tim Burton direct a Star Wars. Do you guys agree or disagree? No, mm, no, I don't. I don't think I would no. like to see him do Star Wars. I don't think he could really no. handle sci-fi in that respect. Period. I could see he could do another superhero movie. I'd like to see him do a Marvel movie, maybe something along the Ghost Rider lines or something like that. Yeah, right. Something darker. Yeah, I, well said, Josh. I, I agree. I'm gonna touch Star Wars. I don't want sandworms in space. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. We got him. <laughs> so when I um, asked folks uh, to talk about Tim Burton online, uh, I had posed that uh, Twitter question, what, like 75 days ago? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Andrew over at the Science Fictionary Podcast said, Pee-wee's Big Adventure may not be my favorite Burton movie, but definitely gets left out of many discussions. It also is worth noting that he directed one episode each of Fairy Tale Theater and Alfred Hitchcock Presents, which I didn't know that. Hmm. Very nice. You know, Pee-wee Herman's got a lot of... Uh, even the show has a lot of stars in it, but the, the movie... Um, has a very interesting backstory there too. Um, Green Shirt Podcast uh, talks about Ed Wood. It's a love letter to outsiders and filmmaking and sci-fi horror that speaks to my heart on all those topics. Ed Wood, and, I like that. Yeah, I. You know what? I I saw it so long ago. I'm gonna have to rewatch that. But again, you know. Um, there are certain directors that love working with, uh, certain actors and Tim Burton, obviously, once you see, uh, Johnny Depp doing something weird, you know, it's a Tim Burton movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> whether it's Pee Wee's Big Adventure, whether it's Edward Scissorhands living in a gothic castle, they try to bring him back to some bland suburban area. Seems like things are going okay, but then ultimately he can't fit in and he and he flees back whatever it is i mean these to some extent these guys are projections of you right it, it, from peewee on they all all the characters are characters I identify with and and are very uh personal uh to me even though they're in the context of a studio thing and i uh you know you are movies i find to be too hard to do unless you can personalize them i mean it, it, that's i i've never felt incredibly technically proficient and technically like i could sure i'll do a western you know like and go out and do a great western or anything i don't see you as john ford no <laughs> no i mean it's it's it would be really a bad movie Dave Richards, hit or miss after the 90s. Uh, you definitely knew a Burton film when you saw it. Not many directors could say that. Beetlejuice, Batman, Scissorhands, Sleepy Hollow probably being his favorite. And absolutely, that's what we uh, discussed uh, early on. Uh, definitely has that visual style. And um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit. I, I wanted Because I wanted to mention the fact that, Shanti, especially you said that... Um, He's lost his touch after CGI. Do you? Anybody else feel the same way? I, I can definitely appreciate that. I think his stop motion work and and his um, use of practical effects was much more effective as as far as his vision is concerned. I think it made it much more um, noticeable and obvious that it was his work. Mm -hmm. I would have to agree. Yeah. I think yeah. with the CG, he tries to do too much. And I think that, yeah, that that's, uh, you know, CGI. Um, I guess sometimes, you know, it's, it's a, it's a crutch for a lot of directors. Um, you have to be able to use it uh, sparingly, but. Yeah, it's like um, it's like they know they have it, so let's use it as much as possible. Yeah. And sometimes it's just it's a new toy. They're like, ooh, well, what can right, we do? Right, oh, right, right. We can so do that. Let's, let's just, do that then. Yeah. Throw everything and, at it. Right. Yeah. But it's interesting though because I don't feel that Tim Tim Burton is one of those directors that uh, you know that gets distracted by a shiny new toy. Um, 
I think, you know, he's a skillful enough storyteller that, uh, you know, he's able to use it, I guess, responsibly. Um, but again, I could say that, but then you've got Alice in Wonderland with the big heads and the small bodies, and I don't know what that's all about. Uh, unless, you know, I mean, just, again. The box office speaks for itself. I mean, his movies don't make a lot of money anymore. Yeah. Oh. We'll have to check on that and see uh, see what the Google I'm says. Sure, Alice in Wonderland did because it was Alice in Wonderland, and yeah. Well, and it had Alan in it. Oh, that was what was that? And it had Alan Rickman in it. Oh it yeah. So special and whimsical. Oh god, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh no. Oh, no, we won't talk about that. We won't go there. That's no. There's only one Willy Wonka. It is yeah. not Johnny Depp. Right. Oh my God! What was that? And now, again, you know, it's it's one of those remakes that uh, you know everybody asks why, why yeah. did you do it? It's so unnecessary. Yeah. The original was so we perfect. Do an episode on that. Yeah. <laughs> why certain? I mean, Roald Dahl was actually involved in the making of the original. Like, why? No, yeah. and the way they tried to expand the story with the dentist father and the it just it was too, it was too much. Right. I couldn't handle it. After the original movie, right? Well, even after the original with uh, with Roald Dahl being involved, he like really didn't even want anybody to ever really make his movies again. He would actually go past theaters and tell people to leave the theater, please leave. He didn't want them them to even see him. So because mm -hmm. he was very with a lot of the director directors, hey, on it's authors. I love Roblox, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, what's up, podcast family? Ro here. Just wanted to give our patrons a heartfelt thank you. Wonderful folks who have found it in their hearts to support the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. We're super lucky to have you. Folks like Amanda, Jedi Caligula 89, Joey Rosales, The Salty Crew, Alex and Matt, super fan of many of the pods on the Red 5 Network, Backyard Tardis, Nicholas Schaefer, What's Up Nick, Chad at Hyperspace and Holocrons, Jay from Florida, and our newest patron, Frank V. Big thanks and a returning patron in the executor tier, 97 Bravo. Huge respect, my friend. We thank you all for your support. And if you want to become more involved in the Scare of Scuttlebutt community and feel like becoming a patron, head over to patreon.com slash scare of scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. And don't forget, it's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. I was, you know, while I was doing some research, I saw that uh, Tim Burton is working on a new Netflix series, which is mm -hmm. kind of exciting. You guys want to talk about that? Yes, I do. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, a little uh, Adam's Family action uh, by Tim Burton. This could be interesting, though. This should be yeah. right up his alley. So. Wait, did he direct the Adam's Family uh, movie? No. No, right? But it, it definitely is up his alley. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is one of those quirky off center stories with the uh, the characters that are right up of it. Interesting because like right now we just had like two Adams family, you know, movies come out, right? Um not movies, movies but like what Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. The, yeah, the animated ones. Yeah. Animated ones, yeah. Uh, those originals though were so Okay, I not a, I love the original too. So yeah. good. 
So it's like, I'm curious as to which way he's going to take this. And I really hope he does well. I really want well, it's it. It's only to about be Wednesday, good. Adams. What? I think it's well, the showrunners are the guys Wednesday, that so did. Um, yeah, it's only it focuses on Wednesday. Yeah, they're focusing it's on a, Wednesday, Adams. Yeah. It's, it's her, her high school experience. And uh, she's also supposed to be unraveling this mystery about the, the, the history of her family and, and why they kind of are the way they are. And, um, and it's the showrunners are the guys that did Smallville. So, it, I mean, they, oh, yeah. it's, you know, it's superhero versus Adam's family. But at the same time, the, the story, the, the material is very similar. It's high school, a group of high school kids. That I'm sure she'll have quirky friends and she'll be the, the Clark Kent character. And there'll be wacky adventures and curses. Yeah, that, you know, Nicole hit people randomly. And, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I, 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 I want to be hopeful, but I'm kind of hesitant about it. Yeah, well, because even in the Wednesday Adams TV original series, I loved Wednesday Adams. She was this innocent yet very quirky, scary type of little girl, and then uh, innocent at the same time. And then, of course, then you had Christina Ricci, who brought it to a whole new level, right, yeah. for the movie level, and it just set up a new a new you know a new place so i'm just curious though is it, it's almost too bad that they didn't go well why don't we invite christina ricci back and let's let's go from wednesday adams forward let's what else is there beyond her high school years because i mean i mean i don't know i guess i'd have to go back and see what the original cartoon uh cartoonist had done with the adams family to see how far he took them but just I don't know. Makes me now that makes me a little bit nervous. It's like I get excited. Adam's family turn Baron, awesome. High school, huh? Like they, yeah. we already had a little bit of that when they were in the Adam's family values a little bit, but mm -hmm. you know what makes me nervous? The possibility of Beetlejuice too. That makes me nervous. Yeah. That everybody wants and everyone says, "Oh, it's happening! It's happening!" And because some fan made a, a poster, and you're like, "Yeah, that's fake." Right. I got to say, this is fake. <clears throat> I'm just um I'm just looking at the cast of uh of the show. Actress Jenna Ortega is playing Wednesday and uh, we do have a Morticia. Oh, that's big shoes. Catherine Zeta Jones. Really? Okay, that that could possibly work. That could yeah. work. That and could work. um Gomez is Luis Guzman, and you've known, yeah, he's a great character that's actor, so man. I love it. Yeah. yeah, that's a, yeah, that is actually that might work. It's gonna be good. Yeah. Oh man. All right, I might be. But um, yeah, that might be. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the cast, and um, Captain Phasma is in it. Gwendolyn Christie. Interesting. Who is she playing? Does it say who she's playing? Uh, prince, the principal of the school. Of course, yeah. strict. It had to be something like right. Hammer. Yeah. So this actually might be interesting to watch. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Because he's just producing it, so I don't know how involved he's really going to be as far as Burton. Yeah. yeah. But you know, the poster uh, has her playing the cello with a knife. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that seems about right. <laughs> right, you know, we can have I mean, some quirkiness there. Essentially retired. He really has nothing. Dropped out. Yeah. 
all. Yeah. I feel like it'll be similar to the Netflix Sabrina series that they did. Which is a big hit, I think. Series. That was good. I enjoyed yeah. it. Was the, yeah, it was good. So mm-hmm. we'll see. So any final words on Tim Burton now that we got this in the can? <laughs> Do any of you have a favorite? That'd be my question. Do any of you have an absolute favorite Tim Burton movie? Nicole? I, for me, it would either be Edward Scissorhands or Nightmare Before Christmas. Those are definitely my favorites that I do enjoy year-round. Josh? No, it's definitely Beetlejuice for me. Absolutely Beetlejuice. I've watched that movie way too many times. (laughs) Way too many times. I love it. I think for me it would have to be, um, uh, I'm sorry, Edward Scissorhands. Um, It's such a unique story. I do love it. Quirky characters. Um, and Vincent Price, his uh, final performance. His final role, yeah. His yeah. final role. How could you forget? And why not have blonde hair? And that, that winter scene is so beautiful. I love that scene. Y'all know what I'm Natural talking about. Natural the, the ice sculpture and the yeah. winter so beautiful. Yeah. It's just for music. and just... It's such a sad film, too. It's so sad. It is. It's like the story it is. involving heat. I mean, talk about a, a father-son story. Like the the story between Edward and, and his creator is. I mean, yeah, I, that's what really hit me. Yeah. But it is. Uh, I think it is an ultimate example of of Tim Burton's uh, masterful storytelling. Um, and like Nicole said earlier, the the just the romantic and the juxtaposition with the, uh, you know, the not so romantic. I mean, you know the the look of edward scissorhands when you first see him it's like oh it's, it's jarring but you know getting into the story like you said i mean towards the end it's just like it, it'll have you weeping um i know and that's why really, i like tim burton because he teaches beautiful. you appearances are not everything you can't judge a book by its cover and that's why i've always liked tim burton because that's exactly what people did to me yeah you absolutely so I, i've always absolutely. found him to just be very relatable yep yeah, absolutely agreed. Yeah, that's a uh, perfect way to end this episode. Don't judge a podcast by its cover. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. We uh, finally did our Tim Burton episode. I'm going to tweet the hell out of this one for sure (laughs) that we finished it. Yay. But uh, you guys got to join us too. Yeah. Thank you guys. Um, Thank you for having us. So. What is everybody up to? What is everybody doing? I know, uh, Shanti, you're busy with two podcasts. Nicole, you uh, have been absorbed into Rogue One Radio. Uh, Josh, I hope uh, family uh, is is doing well. Uh, Let's uh, go around the table and uh, tell us where people can find you. Shanti, start with you. I'm on Twitter. (laughs) Selena Kyle 29. Bothering everybody. Bothering everybody, indeed. Yeah. Some of us a little more than others. Mm. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're just an easy target, bro. I don't know, man. Could be. Could be. I don't know. Yes. Could be. Yeah. I love it, though. Nicole, what's going on with your bad self? Oh, well, you know, you can find me like several places on Instagram at Peace Love Fandoms, on Twitter at Peace Love Star Wars, and of course, I'm also part of now of the Red Five Network with Rogue One Radio. So. Woohoo! 
Mm. Part of the- I love it. And uh, Sith Care Bear, Josh, um, I did want to mention that um, I, I really like that shirt. That's a nice shirt you oh, got thank there. thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Very... Uh, oh, now, now I just feel awkward. Thank you, Lauren. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say you threw them off. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to tell you where to find me now. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, Sith Care Bear on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and, and actually starting this Thursday, the 23rd at uh, 6 p.m. I make sure I get the time right. 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, I will begin doing a live uh, live stream on YouTube on Paul's Collectibles uh, YouTube channel, uh, yeah. reviewing the Book of Boba Fett. So we'll be doing a weekly Very nice. series. So. Cool. And um, we're going to be doing the same thing. I think the Sunday after the broadcast, we'll uh, sit on Scarif Live and do some uh, chit-chatting about the Book of Boba Fett once that series starts. And, um, you know, uh, I'm also hoping to get Brad on board uh, so all three of us can talk and uh, join our friends and uh, really get uh, knee-deep into it. But um, awesome. You know, I wanted to do a... um, Tim Burton obviously was the first one, but I want to do a director series. So, um, you know, after we release this, I'm hoping to release this on Thursday. But uh, if we can think of uh, any other directors that are kind of our favorites and maybe some directors that are not, you know, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Obviously, everybody loves uh, uh, Lucas Spielberg uh, team up and stuff like that. But some maybe some other directors that that uh, are some of our lesser known favorites that have some really good movies out there that we can think of. I think that'd be really cool to kind of start digging into. Um, and, uh, you know, if you guys Kubrick, want to come back. There you go. But uh, yeah, something like that would be great. If you guys want to come back, we'd uh, love to have you guys. If you guys have a uh, listeners, if you have a favorite director or want to comment on this show, leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the next Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. But you got to give us a call, right? So pick up that phone. Shanti always laughs at me when I say voicemail. I don't know what it is, because but because it's so Man, I thought this was the Ryan Johnson Star Wars Trilogy fan hotline. So disappointed. Don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion. Let them know what's on your mind. Call 773-234-8659. And that's the Scuttlebutt. listener just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the red five network family red five network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love so the next time you're itching for quality content make sure you head over to red five network.com you'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more all wings report in it's the red five network <laughs>